Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. I share with her what an incredible presence is in here today. The worship, right? I mean, I, I and I don't say this every time, um, but I all, I feel like we're on holy ground, you know? Um, like, literally, the Lord invaded our service. And um, that we always want that, you know? And, and we pray for it, and I expect it, but I sense something so very tangible, you know, that is God. And I like that. And um, I just want to be a part of the vision of Hope Church and that we facilitate transformation, right? We want to facilitate it. So it's like, Lord, I mean, in ourself, we pray for and desire transformation, that we, we, we desire it and we pray for it. But as humans, we do not have the strength to do it. To some degrees, we can. We, you know, we can build things, make things. I, I get that. But true transformation that happens in the heart, that happens in a marriage, that happens in children, that can even happen in bodies. You know, that transformation that can move an ailment to wholeness, that comes by the power of God, right? That transformation that moves somebody who is absolutely fighting demonic oppression, they're, they're discouraged. They feel like their life is worth nothing. That kind of transformation comes only by God. That touch, that all of a sudden, they're free from that and they see hope for their future. Transformation, right? That, that's real transformation. So can we pray today just to, uh, and I'm with you, uh, you know, I'm saying, okay, Lord, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a vessel, I'm a tool, but let's, let's give place to whatever Jesus wants to do today, right? Lord, we acknowledge you, Jesus, as the Lord of this service, and um, it's almost like you come in like a rushing mighty wind. Something happened during the worship that just has elevated our spirits, and I share that um, we don't know what to say. It's just like you get into those moments, and our expector is up because you've met us here. So, Lord, touch our ears to hear your voice. Touch our eyes today to see what you're doing and what you wish to reveal because you did not come into this service like this today just for us to feel something. You came today because you want to do something. There's something you want to adjust, say, do, and, Lord... Help us here to yield that facilitates the kind of transformation that you are looking to bring, the kind of work that we give you place so that it's wrought in our thoughts, in our homes, in our lives, in our church, and ultimately it reaches the community. We say, just as Mary did, be it unto us today according to your word and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Woohoo! Thank you. I mean, what a day. Gosh, I'm going to talk about this. Like, I'm, I mean, like when I leave, I'm going to say, man, like, we all love to be in meetings, and you sense that. But today, I mean, this is really like, I don't know what, but remember the words off the top of your head that she was using, I, you know, but I was, I'm sitting there going, I, I feel exactly what she's feeling right now. Like I, you just like, what do I do now? Right? Because I want to give place to a living Christ. Hey, it's so good to be here today and I'm honored to be here and thank you for your warm welcome. Let me say this to you. Um, we know that Pastor Josh and his family are away and we want to pray for them. I know what it's like when you plan a church and you give to the church and you love the church and you're watching the church grow numerically and watching it grow spiritually. And you're, you know, when that happens, it's a little challenging for you as the shepherd to leave 
you know, you want to be a part of it because you feel like each week, each interaction is all important, right? It's, and so, uh, but this is something that was on his bucket list, he's dreamed about, and I'm honored to be able to be here today because for those of you who don't know, um, I've walked with Pastor Josh since before Hope Church was ever birthed. He called me when he was living in Florida, when him and Bram were living in Florida, and saying to me, Pastor, I, I feel like the Lord, there's a transition happening in my life and that he wants me to plant a church in Boone, you know, and Brianne being, having family in there, you know, that's, I, I sense that we're to go there, and um, I just want you to pray. And I said, well, I'll do one better than pray. I'll pray, that's a good thing, but I'll obey. I mean, we'll pray for you, but we're going to walk with you. So whatever's on your heart, whatever the Lord gave you, we're committed to your success so feel free, call me, do it. And of course, for those of you that have been around for ever since the church was planted, I mean, the, the very first year he planted the church, I was here. <laughs> it's like, come on, you know. And I remember speaking to the church. Of course, you remember, remember when they had the kids in the back, you know, the wall, and during the, most of the service, no matter how, how, you know, best they tried to, I mean, you can hear the kids laughing and talking and yelling and screaming and crying. And, you know, you're in the church service and there's maybe, 15 or 18 adults, and I don't with, with the kids, it might have been a total of 28, 30 people, right? And yet, you're just, he's obeying God. And so, when I heard that he wanted to do this, I said, Josh, you know what? I um, don't know if you got anything scheduled, but my wife and I, Denise, will be with me next week. Okay, she would have been here today, but just the timing just didn't work out. But I said, We'll come, you relax. You go, the team's going to be great. I'll be in both services. We're going to have a wonderful time. You just go and relax. Let God refresh you because you're in a new season now where you're setting your hand to this work and there is definitely a new season upon Hope Church. This is great, right? So can we pray for him right now and, and Brianne and the family? Father, we lift up Josh and Brianne and the family, Anita, the kids. Lord, thank you. May you bring a refreshing to them while they're having time together. And not just a refreshing, uh, you know, mentally in their body, but also a refreshing spiritually. And then, Lord, in that refreshing, let them come back with fresh strengthened vision to set their hand to the work that you've called them to and that, Lord, it will be a step forward in the next chapter of what Jesus Christ is writing for Hope Church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, this is good. Um, I want you to turn with me in your Bible to, and they'll probably put it up on the screen as well, to, and those welcome, we're going to welcome everybody who's online. Thank you for joining us today. This is going to be exciting. You may even be sensing where you are, what we're sensing here, and that's pretty cool. Uh, there's a life beyond just what we experience in an event. I mean, people may watch this, you know, days later, weeks later, and sense, wow, that was really something. Well, it's not, the, the something is Jesus, right? That's not, um, and we welcome you to experience this with us. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, and I'll read it to you in just a minute, but here's what I want to say to you in that Pastor Josh last week did an excellent job in communicating what he called, like, the vision refresh, Right? And it was absolutely awesome because this is what's in his heart, but it's not just in his heart, it's in yours too. It's attracting you. And you as a church and as a team are learning how to flesh this out together. And that's a good thing. But what he shared, just like with Paul standing before King Agrippa, that saying, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul ran with that and ran with that until he passed. Even, even when he was in prison, he didn't let it keep him from writing letters to share the gospel of Christ and share the word of the Lord with, with the church and build up the church. He didn't keep that from help, having him do what he felt he needed to do. And that's exactly what's happening. There's a heavenly vision. It's not humans that just put nice phrases that you have here, right? Hope for strong families, hope for transformation, hope for our community. Well, why is that? Because the vision of the Lord for hope, think of just the name, Hope Church, the vision of the Lord. What is it to build strong families? Stop question. Who as a parent, or even if you're not a parent, as you're growing and you want to get married, you want to have a family, who doesn't have a vision inherently to build a strong family? I've never met anybody that doesn't have that. The unfortunate side is that doesn't always happen. 
but the vision is pure. Build strong families. Number two, facilitate transformation. Here you are. Here I am. We love Jesus. Whatever our year's length is in our walk with God, we've seen God work in us where we've changed in a good way. That's transformation. But there's things that every one of you see, and there's people out there in the community right now that they're not in here yet, but they're crying out to a God asking, is there hope for me? God, could you touch and change this? Could, could, could you minister to this broken vessel and, and repair? Lord, could you do this? Or even if they don't know Jesus, there's that cry in their heart. Is there anything, that, Lord, Lord, would you use me? Can I, can I be successful in? Can we see a deliverance from? Can there be a healing for? And what is that? Transformation. And what's, what are we doing? We're trying to facilitate it, meaning give God the place to do it. And the reason for that is so they don't turn the attention on us as humans or our intelligence, but they turn the attention to Jesus, which is where we want it, right? That, and that's what we're doing. What a great vision. Facil build strong families, facilitate transformation, develop community. Again, develop community. I want to share a message today that embraces all three of these, and I think you'll never forget this message. It'll be something you may go back and listen to on the podcast multiple times. I'm sure the people that are watching, if you got your notepads ready, you're going to want to use them today. It's going to minister to you. I want to talk to you about family matters. Family matters. What do I mean by family matters? You say, of course, family matters. I'm going to show it to you from a different, couple different concepts. Family matters, meaning, you know how we always say that everyone matters to God? That's true. But do you know families matter to God? For you to build strong families, facilitate community, family matters to God. It truly does. And we're going to see that family, from God's perspective, has an earthly place, a human level, and then there's a spiritual family that he speaks of. And these families go through dysfunction, but they're still family. And God still views them that way, and there's still hope for that. Even if they have happened to, quote, lose that hope it can be restored. And the reason that family matters is the whole concept of family did not come from humans. It did not come from us. And yet, here's what we have to say. It doesn't, it didn't, if it didn't come from us, Ron, then where did it come from? Family, the concept of family, of community, came from only one individual, and it was God. Every human who has ever been born in this life grows, and all of a sudden, as they grow, they have this desire for family, community, tribe, belonging. Every one of them do. Everyone, everyone, every single one. Why is that? The reason for that, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Notice, in the garden... The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be, say it, alone. I will make a helper that is suitable for him. Now you go, now we know that verse and that's in the beginning. Okay, here's where I want to go back to say family matters and that God was the author of it. Let's back up for just a minute and let me take you through something that maybe you didn't think about. In the Garden of Eden, we would probably call that a perfect place, would we not? God created it. Put Adam in there. Sin had not entered yet. It's not like Adam made, made He didn't. He's there in the garden. Notice what God said. While Adam is in this garden, does not have the problems we have today, does not have the pressures we have today, doesn't have any pain that we have today. He doesn't. I mean, this is perfect, beautiful fellowship. And what does God say? Not Adam. What does God say? God says, in the midst of this perfect environment that I created, and then I created man and put him here, it God said, it is not good. Not good for what? That the garden wasn't good? No, the environment's perfect. Not good that he made man? No, made man. He said, that's very good. What wasn't good in God's eyes? Companionship. That needs to be created. Why is that? We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. What is going on here? God says, Adam... From my point of view, everything Adam's experiencing is absolutely wonderful. He didn't know any better. This is great. He's having fellowship with God in the cool of the day. That's why when we as believers only want to have fellowship with God and feel his presence, and we're con we are not conscious 
of the building of strong families and developing community, it's sinful. Because the creator of it was God himself. He didn't create man to just enjoy fellowship with him alone. Alone. He wants that fellowship, but when you have fellowship with God, he, he brings you into his family. Which is the single most blended group of people you will ever meet in your entire life are the family of God. They are so different than you, but yet they share a same heavenly parental father that you're going to have to get used to learning how to worship with and love and do things with, which enters the church. See, if you can't do family well in your home, or if you do it well in your home, but you can't do it well in the church, there is still a misnomer. There's a misunderstanding of something. The church patterns what the home should look like. It's a family. It's not good. The proof that it's not good, it's interesting. The Hebrew word for the word alone, let me give it to you, but I want to spell it for you to produce the impact. Are you saying, Ron, you're spelling it because you can't pronounce it? No, I'm spelling it because the Hebrew word for alone here is the word B-A-D. Basically, God's saying, Adam, it's not cool, man, that, that you're by yourself there. And you and I, it's, it's, this is, it's not good to be alone. Something bad happens when we try to live alone. We go down bad thoughts, bad behavior, isolation. We'll get to that later. That's the plan of the enemy. If God said it isn't good for you to be alone, you got to know the devil's going, we got to get him alone. I mean, if they've had a church hurt, we got to keep them out of church. Don't you dare go back to church. You can never experience healthy church. Mm-mm, mm-mm, nope, 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 nope. Got to keep them alone. If you've had a bad marriage, had a bad... No, 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 no. Men are no good. Women are no... Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Got to isolate. No, 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 no. Find the tribe that thinks just like you. But just, if they think just like me, then they'll never... That's right. Just keep your... Mm-hmm. Keep yourself safe. Find that tribe that the only way they talk is over social media. And they don't really get together. Come on. Find that. Use whatever excuse you want to, but the tactic of the devil is keep them alone. Why? Because it's inherent in every single human, even when they want to isolate, they know, they cry from in here. Lord, is there anybody for me? Lord, is there any family for me? Lord, is there any hope for me? Why is that? A human, even if they don't follow Jesus, could never remove this out of their heart because God in the garden, when there was only one human, Adam, said, it is not good, pal, for you to live alone, even in the perfect environment that I created, and even when we just have fellowship with each other. If that's all I wanted, it'd just be you and me. But it's not. God wanted a family. Not just a relationship with a human, a family. The reason family burns in us is because it came from the heart of God. He didn't create humans to live isolated from him. He wanted a family. So let's kind of go down this road. Let me show you another verse. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 if you've got your Bible. They'll put it up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Now Paul is praying this prayer, but I want you to see, I'm going to give you a mention about this, about Paul and the transformation that happens here. Notice, for this reason, Paul's praying for the church. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 15. From whom what? The whole family in heaven and earth is named. Interesting. Remember, before Paul is Paul, he was Saul. Do you remember what Saul did? Saul was on his way with letters of authority to go into Christians' homes and arrest them. I want you to think. If there were somebody in some religious or political authority here in Boone or in this county that had the absolute permission of dignitaries to go into anybody who professed Jesus as Lord and come and arrest you, even possibly kill you, be responsible like he was for Stephen because you're advocating the gospel, you're preaching the gospel, and people are coming to Christ. This was Saul. The family of God, the church, was his enemy. He looked at them from his perspective as evil. They're bad. Why? Because this Christ is not, he's evil. He's bad. This Jesus, he's evil. 
We know that that concept prevailed in the early church because we see in Acts chapter 3, a lame man gets healed. They bring him into the church, into the church meeting, and what ends up happening? Religious leaders in Acts chapter 4 hear what happened to the lame man, and they call Peter and John up before them and said, hey, how did this guy get healed? And they said, it was in the name of Jesus, and they commanded them. Didn't make a suggestion. They said, do not preach in that guy's name. They threatened him. What did they do? It said they went back to their own company. Ah, fam, church. Ah, they go back to their own company. And what do they do? Lord, behold their threats. In other words, they're telling us to shut up. Now, the church is just like not even a couple of months old. They're telling us to shut up. But you know what, God? Here was their prayer. We are praying that, Lord, give us more boldness. Why? To keep doing what it is we're doing. We know that it's upsetting them, but give us boldness, and then, Lord, do what only you can do. Facilitate transformation. Stretch out your hand to what? Heal. And what happened? He did exactly that. The place was shaken where they were assembled, and even so much as Peter's shadow walking by him, people were healed. God heard that prayer. But notice what the, I want, why do I bring that up? Notice the concept. That was Acts 3 and 4. We're talking about, with, 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 Saul, this is Ephesians. This is over 20 years after Saul's conversion. And he's praying. Notice the concept, the perspective change. <gasps> hey, there's only one family. It's the family of God, spiritually. You're either in it or you're not. There's not multiple families. You're either in the family of God or you're not in it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You're either in it or you're not. And he said, and it has two locations. Why is that? Because we're all going to live together forever. So if you've passed from this life and you have served Jesus Christ, you're still a member of my family. It's just that you're in heaven. That means every one of us here in this room, and I've got people, I, I've, my, both my parents, they, they love Jesus. They were born again, and I know they're in heaven. I'm going to see them again. In whom the whole family, Paul, one perspective. This is amazing, the perspective change all around family. He prays, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Here's a guy that was going after the family of God. So, when you say family, Ron, what are you talking about? I'm talking about family in two realms. The first realm is the natural one, meaning your family. And usually when it comes to your family, I mean, you know, you grow up, you, you get married, you have a home, you, you, you begin, quote, family, and all of a sudden, you know, what do you do? You have kids, and now they're, but you've got parents, and what's, so what happens? We use the term sometimes, oh, that's my blood. That's our blood. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you read Matthew chapter 1, you will see from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, there are 42 generations. Gene, you know, it's the genealogy of 42 that go to Jesus. Here's what's interesting. God lists all those parental, that this one begat this one, who begat this one, who begat this one, who begat this one, who begat Joseph. And then they get to Joseph, and it doesn't say, and Joseph begat Jesus. It says, who begat Joseph. And before Joseph knew Mary, the Holy Spirit impregnated her. What's going on here? God is showing all these... If you ever read the genealogy and thought, what a waste of time. God was trying to show in a genealogy what a natural family looks like. That's what it does. I mean, think about your natural family. When the kids grow and they move out of your house, are they still family? Sure they are. They may move out of state. They may move out of the country. Are they still family? Sure they are. When they get married and they have children, doesn't the extended family grow? Isn't that it? You embrace that spouse. You embrace their family. See, because it came from your bloodline. So when they embrace, you embrace. That's the, the natural family, the human family. But there's another family. And it's a spiritual family, and it's his bloodline. Because God is the one that impregnated Mary. And why? Because from the very beginning in the garden, God wanted a family, and he had an ace in the hole. He knew that Adam's going to make the mistake. He knew what man would do, but he said, I already got this thing covered, man. I got it. My son is going to be born. It'll be his bloodline, and anybody who believes in him will live eternally in what is known as the family of God. We all will have that who believe. And I want to break this out just a little bit more for you today because here's the fact. While the Garden of Eden was perfect, and every human, I include me in this, when we desire to have a family, 
we grow up and we get married and then we have kids, we all have that desire to provide that healthy environment where the kids can grow and they, that yeah, they fight, but they're happy and they're healthy and they learn how to have redemptive relationships because they're not all the same. And, and it's just this great environment. Everybody has that. And even in church, spiritually, they desire, oh yeah, we're going to go to this church and people, oh, it's going to be so belonging. They're so welcoming. Oh, it's so beautiful. But here's what happens in both the natural family and the spiritual family. Here's a fact that we have to address. The fact is, human weakness disrupts family environment. Why? Because we're all weak. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. Every family, no matter how many you got, you're all going to make mistakes. And the question becomes, what happens when the mistakes are made? What do we do? And sometimes we don't know what to do. And the reason we don't know what to do is because we don't turn our attention to God who was the author and the creator of this thing called family that burns in us. So what do we do is we turn to each other, which that can be helpful. I mean, we can always encourage each other, but nothing wrong with that, but we're imperfect. No matter who you turn to, we're imperfect. Let me paint this picture just a little differently for you. Think about your car. Somebody built your car. There's manuals on how to fix it when it breaks. And so when your car breaks down, do you take it to the dentist because the dentist uses tools? Why are you laughing at me? You go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's change that around. Dentists go to school. They learn all these things about your mouth, your gums, all this stuff. Well, when the teeth break down, do you take it to the mechanic because he uses tools or she uses tools? You go, well, that's ridiculous. Okay, when family breaks down, where do we go? I'm just asking a question. When it breaks down, where do we go since we are not the creators of it we carry within us the desire for it. But that came somewhere, came from someone who knows exactly how to do it because he, through Jesus Christ, his ultimate goal was to create family. Redemption's story, the gospel message is all around God wanting a family. But human weakness ends up disrupting this environment, which means it colors the picture a little differently. That doesn't mean there's not any hope, folks. Let me just say this to you, and I, I, I put some things down. It's possible that people are listening to me right now online, or maybe even in here, or people who come here that are not here, but they'll listen to it afterwards. It is very possible that we've got people today whose lives are weighed down by the effects of growing up in a family environment that didn't work well. You feel that something inside of you got broken or was damaged in your growing up years or in your early marriage years because you grew up in a family where anger and rage was normal. That's what you saw. Or you grew up in a family where shame and abuse was constantly present. Or where controlling influences were the patterns of the day. You understood what that controlling influence was and the minute you got out of the house, you went hog wild. And that didn't help. Or you possibly grew up in a family where there was an absence of nurturing love that your heart craved. But that's all you knew. So therefore, you begin to process things in a way that you're thinking, okay, what's the best constructive way to get out of my life? Because these were a part of my life. But, but I know this isn't right because I want to have a family. I know that's not. But what do I do? And as a result, here's what happens. Because you're trying to do this, you might even believe without telling anybody. You may be craving that desire for family in, in, in a natural family or a church family, that belonging. You're craving for it, but here's what's happening. You're carrying around yourself thinking, but I'm broken and what's inside is really not fixable. Now, you don't say that to anybody, but you say it to you. It's not fixable. In other words, it's not redeemable. Really? God's the author of family. When it breaks down, where do you take it? But you think, no, it's broken, man. Or what was lost, it, it can't be restored. You don't understand. Really? Why can't it be restored? God's a restorer. Why couldn't it be? But again, where am I looking? Where do I go? Or you might be saying, you know, what was done to me, it can never be righted. Well, of course it can't be. It was done. There's nothing you could do about it. I mean, that was a past event, a past experience, and it's a real one in your world. But that doesn't mean that your future can't be righted, and here's why. The truth is there is redemptive 
power available to all of us through Jesus Christ. Amen. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. I know those people that are online right now, some of them, they're shouting, they're, they're weeping, they're dancing. Oh, you just can't see them, but that, that's, what, that's what, right? See, the good news is there's always redemptive power available to restore or to transform. Why? Because if God's the author, he knows exactly why he created it and what the fruit should look like. And he knows how to get this done. So what does that mean to you and I? You say, well, but what, what if I was part of a spiritual family and it just didn't work well? Well, join the rest of us. We've probably all been part of a family, meaning when I say spiritual, let me back up, part of a local church. Because what are they trying to do? Local church is really, let me break it down this way. I think it'll be clear. Natural families. See, you could have four or five, we have five kids. They're all married, right? They all live in different locations. They all have their own homes. But they're family. We've got grandchildren. They're family. No matter where they live, right? They're family. They're family to us. That's how the family of God is. The local church is just different locations of the same family. It's amazing to me how the church wants to fight with each other all over this thing and this thing, and you don't have this right. I remember years ago, my spiritual dad was Dr. Hilton Sutton, who is in heaven now. And I'll see him someday, but, you know, he passed in 2012. Well, you know, he asked me years ago, just as so spot on as he is, he goes, I have a sense, Ron. We were talking about this idea of family. He goes, I have a sense. He goes, I want you to look up every single denomination that professes faith in Christ, and I want you to look up what their core values, and I want you to look up what they say is what their statement of faith. And I did. I, it took me a lot. I collected, I contact, I collected them. We sat down and looked at them and went, this is amazing. Like 95% of everything we see, no matter who, where they come from, they all say the same thing. The reason is the reference point was the Bible. The problem is, while it said the same thing, they didn't live the same thing. I'll give you an example. They all said, we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you've heard a message on the return of Jesus? The early church lived with it. <laughs> they patterned their life behaviors after it. Oh, Jesus is coming. We better get to work. Why? Because we're on a mission here. Not today. Church is the Lord. Are you kidding me? Just God, come into my world. Make sure I got food. Make sure I got clothes. Come in. Yeah, you know, we've been hearing that for years. Yeah, be careful. The Bible tells us that. Peter said that. Ah, yeah, they've been saying that for years, and it caused them to get lazy. I'm just saying. It says that. They say they believe that. Why? Because that is the, in the canon of the Bible. Now, let me transition. I want to get there. That we're weak. We make mistakes, but there's redemptive power that is available to every single one of us through Jesus Christ. Are we willing to take a step of faith to believe that and welcome or facilitate transformation? Am I willing? Because that's the one thing God can't do for you. He cannot make you yield to him. He cannot make you believe that there is restoration. He cannot make you believe. You may say, because of your experience, this could never happen to me. But when you do that, you've, what you've done is distance God's redemptive power. You go, but I would never do that. But you did when you believe or say this. Because the author and creator of family, what you're saying is, I'll, or not that you, but others. And there's people I bet spread out over this community right now that are praying to God, Lord, I wish I could find a church home. God, I'm so high. I wish I could find a church home. They could. But part of it is, what about the work God's got to do in you? Do you believe? Are you looking for perfect? Because perfect ain't coming. There is not a human that's perfect in a marriage. Therefore, perfect ain't coming. It's never going to come. What are you going to do? You got to deal with the human weakness factor. You got to. Because it pollutes our picture. We got this God-given vision on the inside. And in the church, we got it on the inside. But something pollutes it. What is it? It's human weakness. It's not God. It's human weakness, and the minute we take human weakness and make that more powerful than redemptive power from God, all of a sudden then there is no hope, and then we bring the anger, we bring the frustration, we bring the dysfunction into another relationship, whether it's into church or whether it's into another family, and that's like pouring gas on a raging fire. Why would you do that? Why? Why would we do that? So there's hope, but here's the thing. 
What I want to say to you, and it helps us in all, because there could be people here that have been through divorce and been remarried. There could be people that you say, well, you know, I got remarried, but, you know, those are not my children. We're a blended family. I want to say something to you. Blended families are still family. And you say, is there a biblical precedent for that? Absolutely. The most blended family in the world, the most blended family that will ever exist is God's family. You say, how is that? Well, notice if you would, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Here's what he says. It's speaking about Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain, notice, and with your blood, what did you do? You purchased for God. Thank you, God. With your blood, remember, God wanted the family. With your blood, what did you do? You purchased for God. What was the blood? To purchase something for God. What did he want? A family. Notice, to purchase for God, persons, notice, from every tribe, language, people, nation. They're in heaven now. From every tribe. Well, they're going to be in the earth now. How do we embrace and handle that? Every tribe has a different culture. Every nation has a different culture. But if they're family... There are more things we can agree on as the family of God than disagree on. But if we allow that separation and isolation, what we've done is we've missed an opportunity to embrace the redemptive power of a living Christ to work within us. And that's what the world wants to see. Let me bring in different ages, different sexes, different races. Let me bring them in and let me see you do family the way we wish the world would function. And when they do, they'll be attracted like a high-powered magnet attracts metal. Why is it? Because inside of them, everyone longs for that. Everybody, because God created it that way. Everyone. Now, let me give you some statistics on blended family, because it's going to impact the church naturally. As of today, 2023, 40% of families who live in the United States are blended families, if you didn't know that. So we probably have blended families in the church. My family's a blended family. I went through a divorce. Denise went through a divorce. We've got married. We're going to be celebrating our 17th year. You guys have celebrated it with us a couple of times. Uh, but we're going to be celebrating that. And our kids, when you, if you ever saw them, you would never know that they were not family. Never, never, never. Why? I'll talk about that in a minute. Because as parents, we took the lead. And we said, this is what family looks like. This is how we do family. And we base it on God's word. Not what somebody here, a human, told us. God's word. So, that's the way they do it. The boys open the door for the girls, even though they're married. We taught them that. The girls call the boys brothers. The brothers call the girls my sisters. When they went to school, nobody thought any otherwise. Why? That's how we do it. This is how family is done. And we're not perfect, and everybody's going to make mistakes. We had one of our our oldest child who ended up making a, a, a mistake, and the family looked to us, the other kids, what are we going to do about that? And we said, we're going to have a family meeting. Any of them, if they were watching or if they hear, they, they know what family meetings mean. Family meeting, we all get together, and what do we do? We discuss it. And what we said to them is this, they made a mistake. They are still your sister. They, we are still parents. This is how we handle that. Grace is available. Forgiveness is available. This is how we walk through these transitions. And they're all like, okay. We do not act this way. We do not say these things. We do not propagate this. We don't. Noah's children walked in backwards and covered him. Didn't mean that what he did didn't occur. It did. It just meant they, without wanting to, they didn't want to expose. And you'll remember in the scripture what it said. The one who didn't expose it after that, who didn't talk about it, God blessed them. The others who did expose it, God didn't bless. Said, well, well, why? Because humans aren't perfect. But exposing something like that doesn't help anybody. It's how you handle it. So we taught our kids, this is how we're going to handle it. We recognize it and we're going to live with it. So when the child's born, what do we do? They're family. We all live together, all eight of us. This is how it's going to work. They grew up that the baby child thought this is normal. No, then she gets married. And again, we had to sit down and go, 
This is family. Happens. We know that the order may not have happened the way that we would have liked it to or that, that she didn't like. But we don't condemn her. We don't make her feel bad. Mm -mm, we're not going down that road. No, we're not. We're going grace. Redemptive. There's redemptive power that's available. So what are we going to do? We are going to embrace everyone, including the new child and then afterward, the, the hubby. This is how we do family. How did we learn that? From God's word. From God's word. You see... These families are trying to navigate and figure out these blended families, what's going on, because here's where their greatest frustration is. They tell us today, the U.S. Bureau of Census tells us that there's 1,300 blended families a day that are being created just in the United States of America alone. 1,300 a day. 75% of those, their number one frustration is they do not have the resources to know how to navigate what a blended family looks like. And as a result... 60 to 70% of them end up in divorce. All over what? They don't know how to navigate the new dynamic. They still carry the desire for family. Carry the desire. They still carry it. Oh, we want it to work. We want it to work. Why isn't it? Because they don't have the resources. I'm telling you, God is the resource. He is, which is why this vision is so important. Building strong families. Facilitating transformation. Developing community. Oh my gosh, this came right from the heart of the master. This is what he wants to do. So let's talk through this then as we kind of wrap this up. The Bible tells us that in Christ there is one family. We see that it's got multiple locations, but there's only one family. Notice if you would Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. In Christ Jesus, there's only one family from God's perspective. And I want to show it to you multiple places in the New Testament because it'll help us to know how do we even handle blended family situation when it comes to us naturally. Notice Ephesians 2.19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Remember this back then. It's different today, but remembering it back then. There was only Jew and Gentile. You say, well, what do you mean? There's got to be more racist than that. No, because here's what it meant. Jew was you were a part of God's family because of the Abrahamic bloodline, right? Gentile is everybody else. That's how it was. And when you look in the book of Acts and you see Gentiles, they came from all different Christians, Hellenists. They were called Gentiles. You're either in this family or you're not in this family. And he says, but now in Christ, all that's changed. If you're in Christ, you're a member of God's family, which he said, you Gentiles are no longer foreigners. You're no longer outcasts. You're as much a part of the family of God as a Jew that believes because the issue is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Can I hear an amen? amen. Notice Galatians chapter 3, really critical for us in the day we live in, especially with all that's going on in, uh, in our political arenas and, and in our country. Genesis chapter 3, 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. How? Through faith in Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Notice verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Ah, there we go. We've got to eliminate the race factor now. Can't have that. There is neither slave nor free. Social factor. Doesn't matter. Wealthy business person. Uh, homeless person. Nope. You got to put that aside. No, no. Nor is there male nor female. Ah, sex. Okay. <laughs> you got to put that aside for you're all one in Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He's saying you're a member of God's family and you got to see how God sees this. If you allow any race to supersede the identity of a family member in God's kingdom because they believe in Jesus Christ, you're missing it. I don't care what your race is. You're missing it. If you allow any social status to eliminate people from this family with you embracing them, there is something wrong with you, your perspective. And if you allow sex, female men, if you try to take either one of them and make them more superior, if you, or, or you distance them, something's wrong. Amen. Why? Because there's, you're a member of the family because you believe. So our question is, how do we treat each other? Here's the reality, folks, and this is what we're going to have to come to grips with. The plan of the enemy is isolation. That's what his plan is. Isolate and separate. Notice, if you would, Proverbs 18, verse 1. 
A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, not God's, not truth's, his own. He rages, notice, against all wise judgment. You want to know one of the things that COVID revealed to us, and it continues this, I'm reading to you from 2023. This is medically right now. Research continues to show us in 2023 that social isolation increases the risk of mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, as well as chronic health conditions like high blood pressure, heart disease, and diabetes. Why is this? Again, I'm just reading to you from medical science now. This is not, this is not, I'm not even telling you the Bible. But they're proving out what the Bible says. Humans are social creatures by nature, explains critical psychologist Anne Ruffy. We're not meant to lead solitary lives. It is important for all of us to understand that we need to be able to engage and share our experiences and feelings with others. Well, thank you for confirming what the Bible has already revealed. But again, what becomes the source of our information? The enemy's plan is isolation. He wants to isolate families, go into your corners, put your stakes in the ground instead of pulling together. Let's work through this thing. It's isolation in the community. I'm not going to church. Oh, yeah, I used to go to church. I bet there's people, every one of you could probably think of names. If I were to say, how many folks do you know that say they love Jesus, but they're not a part of the, of the local church where the family of God gathers together? You say, but are they part of the family? Yes, they are part of the family, meaning they're part of the family of God. But remember, they're also engaged in a plan from the enemy, isolation. This family thing only works when we work through the human weakness together. Because that's when redemptive power is available to show God's hand in this. The plan of God is integration or connection. That's where strong families, community brings transformation. It's the plan of God. Notice what the scripture says here in Psalm 68 verse 5. God is a father to the what? Fatherless. He's a defender of Widows, both are without some key figure, right? God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely or the isolated. Where does he set them? Where does he set them? In families. God sets them. That means if they're isolated and they don't have that human connection, God will seek to bring a connection. It could even be a blended family. God sets the lonely, the isolated in families. Or spiritually, he knows his kids. Here's their prayer, and he's like, I'm trying to... He'll cause you to come across somebody's path and share, give them an invite into church. That's not a coincidence of circumstance. It's God working through his perspective that my family, this is my family. Do you know what Hope Church can look like a year from now if we could just function in this? We're going to build strong families. We're going to facilitate. We don't create... We can't create transfer. I can't, I can't change a family dynamic, but God can facilitate transformation, and we're going to help develop community. We're going to do it. We're going to take it upon ourselves. We're going to be the ones to do that. What could happen? Notice Ephesians 2, and we'll close here. Actually, I've got one other verse I want to, I want to share with you. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Again, Paul, Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and reveals God's plan is integration and connection, not isolation. Notice, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. Ah, again, Gentiles, strangers, you who weren't part of the covenant of Abraham. No, what are you now? Now you're citizens. You're members of God's family. We are carefully, notice, carefully joined together in him. Who joins us? God. Carefully joined together. I want to give you a closing word. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. You say, okay, but Ron, we hear God's plan, but again, let's go back to that human weakness thing. Like, what do we do in that setting? Like, you know, people make mistakes. I agree with you. They absolutely do. But here's what God's word says. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church who had a mess to deal with. Without getting into all the detail, we're talking about adulteries, incest, things that... Paul even mentioned, I don't even want you to mention them again. Don't talk about them. But they happened. They happened. And what does he write? 
his second letter he's writing this because he knows, hey, you're still a family and we want to work through these. And he was saying, we got to work through these things. There is a way to do it. And he pointed them to Jesus, pointed them to Christ and to fellowship with each other. Let's walk through this thing in love. But he said this, we have this treasure. He's talking about Jesus Christ living within us. We've got this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What am I saying? I'm saying, in order to experience the glory, we're going to have to bump into the clay. I'm going to say it again. In order to experience the glory, this all-surpassing glory, what is it all-surpassing? The jars of clay. God uses humans who are weak. God can change their life, but even in the change, they are not perfect. They will never be perfect. You and I will never be perfect. I don't want you to make a mistake, but you're going to. You're going to make one before you go home to be with the Lord. It's what happens when you make it. What do we do now? What God wants and how he created it this way is he said, I made it this way. We've got jars of clay, but there's this all-surpassing power. Notice what he said. God did it so that the glory, the attention would go to him and not to us. If I could fix it, people would come to me. And we have that in the church today. It's unfortunate that there is idolatry. There is idolatry in the church. There is idolatry. They will love people and trust the word of a human more than they will the word of God. It, it happens. And, and these are good people. But what subtly is occurring is I've gotten my eyes off the transformer, who is God. And I've got it on the human clay, which has weakness, which is a human. And as good as they are, they're weak. That's why God said, this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. And he set it up that way for what reason? To show his glory. To show it. So that eyes and hearts have to turn to him. Bow your head. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.